Welcome to the Chill Gill Thrill. I'm your host, Gillian Seed83, coming to you live from the Chromatic Ribbon. All right, it's Sunday, August, what is it? It's the 16th, and I got some uh, some pretty cool headlines to, uh, to go over. But uh, first, I'd like to uh, talk about... How my evening went last night. It was Saturday and I didn't have any plans to do anything. I've been uh, taking a lot of time to myself. Uh, lately, I haven't been going out and uh, socializing a whole lot. And uh, one of my really good friends got a hold of me yesterday and happened to be in town and was uh, getting ready to go to a barbecue. And I was, I was going to pass. He ended up coming over. We visited for a little bit and caught up. He uh, showed me his new side-by-side -side, uh, UTV off-road vehicle that he got. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's a uh, Can-Am, I think it is, and uh, it's all uh, it's all decked out with uh, modified air intake, so he can he can drive it through a creek, and uh, he can get water up to pretty much about halfway up on the body of it, and uh, it won't flood itself out. The uh, air intake filter is actually located in the glove box. Uh, now, a lot of guys put these snorkels on, and it would uh, raise the uh, air filter about another three foot higher than where it is now. But uh, he's not looking to go into that deep of mud or water, so he uh, went with the uh, trick little way of uh, hiding it in your glove box. So, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, but he tried to get me to go over the barbecue. I was gonna just... Man, I'm just going to chill. And actually, I wanted to work on this podcast. I uh, probably would have dropped uh, this episode uh, last night or early this morning. But uh, I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went and uh, I, I uh, got to see some people that I haven't seen in a really long time. Ate some excellent food. And um, one thing that struck me, kind of caught me off guard, was... Uh, so it's not a big secret that I'm a fan of conspiracy theories, and even though this isn't a, a conspiracy theory podcast, I would say that it is conspiracy adjacent a lot of times. Uh, it, uh, a, a lot of the themes that I like to throw into my content runs a lot of parallels with a, a lot of the content that uh, that I follow and that I that I consume, like uh, Tinfoil Hat or the Higher Side Chats or the uh, the always excellent OBDM podcast. Um, so, so I'm sitting at this barbecue, we're all, we're drinking some, uh, they were passing some whiskey around. I'm not a big drinker, but, uh, they had already, uh, handed out cigars and I was like, man, I'm always down for a cigar. So they, uh, they busted out a bottle of Pendleton and I've heard of Pendleton, uh, whiskey and I've heard that it's, uh, supposed to be, a, a somewhat fancy whiskey, I guess. Pendleton, pretty good. I tried it and, uh. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, the 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 cool thing about never drinking ever is, you know, I can have the smallest amount, and uh, you know, I can feel it a little bit. But uh, you know, since I'm on blood pressure medication, uh, you know, I can't really drink. You know, pretty much I can't really drink. So. It, you know, it's basically I can drink enough to kind of taste it. I can't really drink enough to really, really get a buzz. Or it's it's basically once I get to that threshold where I can start feeling it at all, which doesn't take much, 
then I just kind of, I got to switch to soda or switch to water. And then, you know, I'll give it an hour or two and then maybe I will. But anymore, it's not, you know, it's just, uh, it's not my thing. Way more of a cannabis guy, which uh, there was another buddy there too who had a, had a vape, uh, vape pen. So that, you know, it was a good time. But anyway, what, I'm getting sidetracked here. What caught me off guard was, you know, one of the big conspiracies going around right now uh, for the last few years is the uh, whole Pizzagate and uh, the whole conspiracy of the elites being these uh, pe uh, pedophiliac vampires, if you will, uh, you know, accused of slaughtering children and drinking their blood or, or extracting a, a chemical called adrenochrome from them. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of different spins on the story, right? So, uh, the, the crazy thing is, is, you know, a lot of, you know, there's probably a lot of nuggets of truth, uh, in a lot of the conspiracies. And, uh, you know, with, with the one that I just mentioned, uh, I would say the nugget of truth is the fact that there is, uh, you know, this world has a major, major sex trafficking problem. And that's not a secret. Like, that's not a secret. It's just something that the mainstream media in my country just chooses to, uh, you know, kind of turn a blind eye to. And, uh, you know, distract us with a bunch of other, you know, pointless crap. Um, so I was very shocked when I'm sitting around this uh, fire last night and uh, people started joking around about, you know, these Satanist celebrities and Katy Perry. And then it leaned into even got into the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Tom Hanks thing. And... Uh, I guess I guess it is uh kind of went mainstream. Um the the and the the group of people that I was around, uh a few of them are, you know, born and raised uh, in about the same area I was, but then there was also a guy that was from upstate New York and then I think there was a uh, another guy there that was maybe from around Louisiana, Texas, maybe somewhere around there. Or maybe, maybe that's where one of them was working. But, uh, so, so the group was, you know, it was a small group of people, but a few of them were spread from, you know, different, uh, far flung corners of the United States. So it was, uh, it was pretty interesting when I heard all of that and then it, uh, you know, kind of was self-affirming that it's like, okay, so, you know, maybe these, uh, rabbit holes I'm going down aren't really all that um, fringe anymore, you know? I know a lot of the channels that I follow, you know, like take Sam Tripoli, for instance, uh, Tinfoil Hat. You know, uh, I don't know his pod downloads, and he also, you know, has his own website, and so, you know, I, I, I'm just going by YouTube views only, you know, YouTube views. His YouTube views don't show nothing like, say, Joe Rogan, for instance. But it, it uh, extremely impressive numbers, nonetheless. I would be happy with a small fraction of what Sam's pulling in. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it, there's a lot of a lot more people. Well, and then you got the whole shadow banning thing. See, there's a there's a lot of speculation, and I think it's very valid. Uh, but there's a lot of speculation that uh, YouTube manipulates the views, the numbers. Um, and so maybe there's a channel that they don't necessarily like. They might uh, just show that it has less views than it does so that, you know, you know, for some people, they, you know, some people looking for new content, 
a lot of times tend to look for high views. So, I, you know, I would think anyway. And so maybe, you know, they're, they're by reducing these number counts, they're getting people that uh, are just going to kind of like pass up on some of the stuff, you know. So I, th I think what it is is they, I mean, it's already well known that the algorithm's so screwed up that anybody in the uh, like conspiracy theory or, you know, so-called truthers, um, you know, those types of podcasts, those, those guys, uh, I think they have a lot of problem with uh, uh, getting, with visibility online to be able to bring in new, uh, uh, new fans. But the thing is, is they're getting real smart about it and they're, they're doing things like the uh, Union of the Unwanted where they've like formed a, cl a little bit closer-knit community. And uh, I think it, it Sam Tripoli has done a lot, I feel like, for the, uh, for the uh, uh, spiritual skepticism movement, uh, as he likes to call it. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, he's a spiritual skeptic. Um, and that, and that, that's, a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good way of, of looking at at uh, his line of thinking, I think. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, apparently this uh, whole sex trafficking elite pedophile thing is like, uh, if I'm hearing it from the people I heard it from, like it's everywhere. It is completely mainstream. So I, I just thought that was, uh, that was a, a very interesting, very interesting thing to... Uh, to uh, find out last night. So let me uh, transition over here and get us some of these headlines going. Also, by the way, guys, real quick, if this just happens to be the first episode you're ever hearing of this podcast, uh, I just want you to know that I'm not going to be beating everybody over the head with... Uh, any uh, like super political things um even though a lot of people would like hey that's not political that's our kids yeah. like i get it but there's plenty of podcasts out there that are uh covering important things like the sex trafficking and so uh from its inception i wanted this podcast to be way way more light lighter hearted than that you know it's just Things that I pay attention to, I'm going to tend to talk about in my podcast, you know. And I'll be real here. It would be great to just be a a co on somebody else's podcast. But, you know, this is kind of like an experiment to, you know, see what I'm capable of doing on my own. And then, you know, maybe hopefully somebody will hear this who's, you know, got something bigger going on. And maybe just kind of annex me into what they've got going on. You know, I never really thought about that before, you know, you know, my things from the get goes, I mean, yeah, obviously it'd be awesome. Like if this takes off and I run my own podcast, it'd be great, great. But ultimately I would like to just, uh, be, you know, hopefully just self-sufficient, able to survive off of, uh, creating content. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I don't see, you know, I don't know. We'll see. First headline. Here we go. Astronomers may have found a star that's just 33 years old. And I find that interesting because uh, that star's younger than me. And, uh, you know, ever since I was a little kid, they always taught us in school that, you know, most all the stars you're going to see, you know, are, uh, 
you know, they're what, thousands, millions of years old. Uh, crazy, crazy numbers that are pretty well impossible for a human to completely wrap their mind around and understand the size of it. And I, I feel like there's so many of those numbers in science and they're just almost irrelevant to the layman. So, so astronomers may have found this star that was 33 years old. Um, they observed this they believe it to be a neutron star being born following a supernova first detected in 1987. Uh, so, yeah, so they have to measure this light, you know, because when, when we receive the light, it's like way older. That's why they say, like, if a star burns out, um, I'm under the impression that if a star were to burn out and you were looking up at the sky, you wouldn't just see that star uh, actually blank out when it's actually dying. Um, if you happen to look up in the sky and you really did see a star blank out and it, you know, it wasn't an airplane or a satellite or a UFO, it wasn't an actual star blanking out, then that would mean that that star had actually went out like thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So really interesting. It's just, you know, the whole idea is, is you know, the expanse of space time being so large that even at the speed of light, which is very fast, it uh, won't, you know, reach you, you know. It's like eight minutes just to get light from the sun. So if you look up at the sun, that's, you know, that the, what you're seeing is eight minutes old. So just kind of crazy. Uh, I am older than a star that they've discovered, which I guess it's not really that crazy because stars are supposed to be formed like all of the time. And, uh, yeah, I guess they just, uh, have a hard time detecting them. And I seen this thing about, uh, the Air Force One, which is the, uh, president of the United States of America's, uh, business jet, basically. And, uh, Air Force One successor could go five times the speed of sound. And I'm looking at an, uh, image. I'm guessing this is just an artist's rendition of what it could look like. And it, it looks bad to the bone. It kind of looks like, almost kind of like the Avengers jet. Or, I mean, definitely something from like the Marvel Universe. It, it is, uh, it's really wild looking. And it says, a coming iteration of Air Force One, the high-tech plane reserved for shuttling the President of the United States around the world, may be able to reach nauseatingly fast speeds up to Mach 5. The U.S. Air Force just awarded a contract to the aerospace startup Hermes. Yeah, Hermes. Business Insider reports, this calls for the first hypersonic version of Air Force One. The company already has a prototype engine built and tested, and now it's just a matter of building the rest of the plane. Hermes has been working on its hypersonic engine for over a year and completed tests in March, Business Insider reports. But now that it has this Air Force contract, it will need to make sure that its Mach 5 plane also meets certain rigorous standards. Hermes thinks it can all be done with existing technology. And the quoted, We want to do engineering, not science, COO Skylar Shufford told Ars Technica last year. Let's see, distant vision, for better or worse, 
So yeah, um, we got a new really bad to the bone Air Force One coming up. I don't know if they're gonna call it uh, Air Force 5X maybe, or if it's just gonna Air Force Two. I'm, I'm assuming it would just be called Air Force One, you know? It could be Air Force One Mach 2. Or maybe they could just call it Metal Gear. That's what they, that's what I'd call it. I'd call it Metal Gear. All right, I got some other cool sh stuff. AI generated sound effects are now fooling human ears, which this is just kind of, uh, this is just kind of extrapolating on what's already been spread around for the last few years, really. It says, if you'll permit us to spoil a bit, a little bit of movie magic, many of the sound effects you hear in film and TV are actually recreated and edited and later by Foley artists. Now, researchers are attempting to create sound effects gener generating artificial intelligence to see if they can do their jobs well enough to fool the general population. In a recent study, a small cohort of participants fell for the trick. Most, they believe that the AI-generated noises were real, i.e.e.e. -E -E spectrum reports. Sometimes they even chose the AI version over the video's original audio. In a study, which was published in June in the paper IEEE Transactions in Multimedia, 41 of the 53 participants were fooled by the AI-generated sounds. The sounds damning for the Foley artists who created sound effects in the studio, but for now, the algorithm... Uh, okay. So this, uh, what I'm getting from this is that there could be more people potentially losing their jobs. And uh, that would be, if they can get AI that's good at recreating uh, these uh, sound effects, I'm assuming. Uh, okay, it says where the AI currently falters and the challenge going forward is figuring out how to match the audio up to the actual video it supposedly represents in order to fool an audience the sound effect need to not only sound real, but also sync up with a video's action. That's why the embedded videos, which are all AI generated, of rainfall or crackling fire are convincing, but this one of a running horse where the clips and clapping, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it'll keep getting better though. So I thought I had seen, I thought I had another another article, something about AI generated sound effects that uh, was sounding a little more ominous than this, which I mean, okay, people losing their jobs is definitely ominous, but I, I was, uh, I'm thinking about how, you know, wh which this is a thing too, They've, they're, they're doing it just to show that they can do it and that it can be a problem, is uh, there's like a video going out where, uh, I think it's a video, and it's basically showing Nixon and what his, he, they had a, he had a speech that he, they had supposedly planned for in case that Challenger rocket blew up or whatever. And, uh, uh, I forget. There were, there, I guess they probably do this with every launch. But they went and uh, they did, they basically took an AI and made it look like uh, President Nixon was coming forward and talking about, you know, a, one of the shuttles uh, getting blown up. But, you know. And and it looked damn it looked convincing. It was it was pretty eerie. It was really eerie. So the uh, the whole deep fake tech movement uh, like that that's it's getting crazy. And 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 the government like people are starting to kind of like, 
I don't know if you whistleblower would be the right term, but like people are starting to bring it up into Congress about how how big of a threat the deep fake thing poses. I mean, from from everything from manipulating uh the uh the the general public, um, just the 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 propaganda that they could use with deep, you know, you could if you could make basically have a video and make it look like anybody on the planet is saying anything you want. Just think of the implications of that. So luckily there's people that are already uh, bringing this up, you know, to lawmakers. And I think they're already trying to work on kind of nipping that in the bud uh, before, it, you know, gets way too out of hand. But, but also I'm starting to wonder if it could already be in play right now. And maybe we wouldn't even know because the thing is, is the videos that they're showing us of, Hey, look how far we've gone along. What if those are actually like five years old and what they're, where they're really at is the video that they showed you of how they can make a fake video was made faked, you know? So, I mean, it, it could already be being in play. I think they basically, there was, there was some law back in like 2012 or 2013 that had got passed where it became legal to use propaganda on uh, citizens of the United States. Now, that's a broad stroke general, generalization. You'd have to uh, look into that. I'm actually just parroting that off of a recent episode uh, that I seen a, of a tinfoil hat, but, uh, yeah, basically it, yeah, basically sometime in around 2013, it became, uh, legal to some degree for our own governments to use propaganda on us. So yeah, that's just a, uh, a nice little nugget of, uh, information that you might want to know. And uh, flying cars are actually finally becoming a reality in Japan. I thought this was pretty cool, and I think they even had a. They had a. Uh, yeah, this looks like a computer-generated, uh, you know, like an artist concept. But uh, finally becoming a reality in Japan. By the way, uh, uh, so far all these uh, articles are from Futurism. That that's the. Uh, only source I can't really ever credit other than just saying futurism or else I'm, I'm looking at this all wrong. But uh, it says the Japanese government is pouring money into the development of flying cars with aims of commercializing the futuristic mode of transportation as soon as 2023, the Japan Times reports. A number of flying car concepts are being developed throughout the globe with the likes of Airbus, Boeing, and Uber leading the charge. Two-seater eVTOL, the dream of covering smaller distances in vehicles capable of vertical takeoff and landing, is very much alive, and that's especially true in Japan. Now, for those of you who don't know, VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing, um, it is capable of, it, it, so, so helicopters can do it, and uh, Harrier jets can do it. That, that is a fighter jet that's capable, uh, it has uh, some of it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to fuck the lingo up here, but basically on a Harrier jet, some, some of the jets are adjustable and they can aim them at the ground so they can make this jet basically just take off straight up like a helicopter and then they can just fly on how it wants. Uh, if you've ever seen the 
awesome uh, movie, True Lies, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. That's a Harrier jet that he's flying at the end. And yes, it's Hollywooded up, and I'm sure they show some maneuvers that might not be possible, but it gives you a general idea of what do those are capable of. Okay, so, uh, and also uh, a good movie example of eVTOL, or, or just VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing, would be the cars in the movie Blade Runner. Like, they, they show them within the first, I think, 10, 15 minutes of the original Blade Runner movie, they show these VTOL cars. And so Japan is, uh, I guess they're going all in with it. It says, uh, Japan's SkyDrive, one of the country's newest flying car startups, recently revealed the SDXX, a sleek two-person eVTOL aircraft about the size of a car with a range of several tens of kilometers at uh, 62 miles per hour, or 100 kilometers for uh, you metric folk. Uh, let's see here. The company is hoping to complete its first test flight this summer, according to the Japan Times. We're considering launching an air taxi service in big cities, either Osaka or Tokyo, with initial flights over the air, over the sea, as it would be too risky to fly over many people all of a sudden. Uh, that was according to the uh, SkyDrive CEO, Tomohiro Fukuzawa, a former engineer at Toyota told the newspaper okay so taking off vertically is there anything else uh yeah, that's about it so yeah flying cars right right around the corner it's so crazy how it seems like just about five or six years ago a lot of the stuff that they were talking about being far off is now all of a sudden it, 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 it it's like every day that goes by we the technology of the planet overall is increasing at such an exponentially fast rate. It, it's insane. It is 100% insane. Digital data could overtake Earth. Actual Earth's actual atoms, physicist says. This is a crazy concept here, and I'm not going to even bother reading through the whole article uh, because it, it, it didn't, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. You know what? I'm, I'm definitely not smart. I'm definitely not smart. I, I'm just an idiot on the internet. Just, you know, reading shit that looks cool to me and trying, you know, trying to make of it what I can. But this, uh, a physicist was basically trying to say, you know, there could be more, I guess, bits of data than, atoms on the planet basically and uh the misconception would be eventually we will have so much data in storage that we will have had to have like taken so many resources out of the planet to create the drives to store the data on that the that the planet itself would start looking like a big storage device and that so that that uh that's not that's not that, that's definitely not what they're trying to say but also it uh, it it wouldn't like it. I don't. It wouldn't work that way. And what I I didn't even understand, even understand it. But I thought it was. I thought it was cool because that's where I thought that it was going. That's where I thought it was going. I'm just going through a list here. Uh, yeah. And I think that we just went through the headlines that I had. Slow news weekend. It was a slow news weekend for me. I mean, it doesn't stop. 
And I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm new to this. I'm new to trying to uh, cast a net on, you know, a bigger portion of everything that's going on in the world right now. And I, uh, I'm trying to be really, really picky and choosy about uh, what I cover because I, I realize that there's a lot of people out there that are already covering uh, stuff. And I, and I don't want to, it's not even that like, I don't want to be like taking other people's ideas. I don't think that it's, it's not quite that simple when you, when you are uh, being like a pseudo news source, you know, or, you know, giving your opinions on, you know, headlines, which if you've noticed by now, for people who've been listening to me for a while now, thank you very much, by the way, you guys realize that I'm not trying to cover every major thing that has the most impact on people. No, really, I'm just going for like the wacky stuff that I, uh, you know, that I, that I think is weird and cool, you know, but, and, and sometimes I don't even, I don't even go for, I don't even go for the wildest stuff by no means. I don't even go for the wildest stuff by no means. To be to be honest, what what's what's cool with what I'm doing is I'm pulling out the craziest headlines that I see on a news app. You know, and you've got to understand that this is a walled off ecosystem, and so this is Apple's own news app, and I don't even pay for Apple Plus, so I have you know limited access to where you know the, what stories are even being showed, and uh, and I also find it interesting because I don't think for a second that as time goes on and you use your device, it's learning more and more about you. And, and so the, the, the articles that are coming up in my news app are probably different, you know, not necessarily different than any articles that are showing up in somebody else's version of the Apple news app, but it's probably being presented in way different orders because it's trying to, uh, I think above all, it's just that these uh, devices are just trying to get interaction and they don't, they don't care how they don't care if it's bad. Uh, they don't care if it's good. Uh, I mean, they probably do whenever, you know, that rule has been punched in by uh, who, whoever's running, running things. But I think that for the most part, these algorithms are benign in the sense that I think that a lot of them are just designed to, throw whatever they have to do in in front of you in front of the screen to just keep you using it and to keep you interacting with it and you know while I'm talking about that it is uh it's really interesting for me now that I've decided to jump into content creation because I'm and I'm using and I'm sure a lot of people do but the, the same device that I use to create my content is also the device that I use to consume my content. I'm sure a lot, you know, people who only have a PC or people who only have a laptop, you know, you know, a lot of them are doing the same thing. You know, I guess, yeah, I could, I could have an, a PC and an iPad, but I mean, this is just, this is just what I've decided to work on with now. But it's just, it's interesting that before this year, I was just 100% consumer. So I wasn't a hobbyist content creator. Now I'm creating content. But since I'm using the same window to access this digital world, you have to use um, a, a bit of self-control to, to decide, 
I'm not going to let myself get distracted on Twitter's news feed now or, you know, or get too distracted on IGN's news feed right now. I'm, you know, I need to put the content out. And and it's and it's really crazy because it's very easy for me anyway, having ADHD. It's very easy to just you know, I'm you know, I got the anchor app out. I'm getting out, I'm I'm getting all my software lined up for an episode. And um okay, I'm going to I'm going to check the going to check the Twitter real quick. And then the next thing you know, I'm just kind of scrolling through it, just kind of scrolling through it when I, you know, could be trying to create some content. Just hit record, say whatever's on my mind, and uh hope I can keep everything going so people are engaged and listening and uh you know, basically just create something that people want to listen to or going to listen to. And also, this is kind of, you know, this is still kind of, this is practice for me. I know, you know, it shouldn't be, I guess, because I went from uh, numbering all my episodes, you know, 0.01, 0.02, and then I crossed this threshold where I'm like, okay, now this is the official podcast, you know, as if I worked out all the kinks already, as if I had all the equipment I needed already, you know, as if I was really ready to be like, okay, this is it now, this is it, you know, and what are we on now? This is already the sixth episode of my official chill guilt thrill podcast and it's still just a bunch of bullshit right (laughs) so uh let me check i'm gonna check the uh u.s trending on twitter real quick just before i uh sign out for the episode just to see if there's uh anything of any interest oh well there there is the uh I am going to maybe watch the first episode of uh, Lovecraft Country on HBO tonight. Um, it looks pretty good. And I I, uh, I like uh, a lot of the content that HBO has been throwing out lately. Since, uh, see, here's the thing. Like, I was huge into Game of Thrones. I loved Game of Thrones until sometime around... Eight was really disappointing. Uh, but I think I was already seeing the decline uh, in seven. I know that's all subjective everybody has their own opinion you know i don't even have any problem with uh daenerys uh you know becoming her father basically i i I, i'm totally cool with that and honestly even most of the story beats that went down in season eight i'm okay with the the thing that and I think a lot of other people agree. I think what really killed season eight was that they they just it they were try, they had to show so much story in what little time that uh, them guys were willing to put the effort in for HBO. And I I just feel like if they would have whatever they had to do, however they had to split it into more episodes or whatever. But if it had just about another two hours of content, probably maybe not even that. If they would have just been able to interject two more hours of content to show more leading up through the season eight thing. I think it it would have it would have went over a lot better, I really do, and uh, but I think I think it's really cool how uh, Jon Snow, like his whole journey through everything was really cool, and then um, oh, what's her name? The M- Macy is her real name. Uh, I can't think. Ari- Ariana, Aria, 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 Aria. I think it's been a while. It's been a while. But anyway, before before I get too sidetracked. Once that was all, all done, kit and caboodle, I was like, okay, why am I gonna keep paying for HBO now? And um, 
to be honest, after, I, I don't think there was a whole lot going on for a while uh, as far as me. Like, there wasn't really anything that was very interesting to me for a good while after Game of Thrones went off. But I went ahead and I kept, you know, paying for it anyway. And then I will say uh, I was looking forward to Watchmen. And that was uh, what I've most recently watched. Well, no, there's one more since that. But um, it was great. I liked Watchmen. I thought it was really good. I know the, uh, so the creator supposedly hates it. Uh, but I think he might have supposedly hated the uh, movie adaptation that came out sometime around 2008 or 2009. And it, I, you know, I, I, th I thought it was good. I liked Watchmen. I really liked this, this Watchmen, uh, David Limel, Damon Lindelof's version of Watchmen for HBO. That was cool. They don't really need to continue it. It's one of them things where it's like, you know, it worked out so great. Don't take a risk of, of then, you know burn the ground and I don't think the creator even wants to come back to it he says unless he feels like he has a legit you know basically if he can come up with a good story then you know he'll do it so I don't know I think that's one they could just leave and and you know that could be that could be pretty cool but uh, then after that I watched uh, Stephen King's The Outsider and man that was really good really well done really well acted and when whenever I say something's good I feel like there's a little bit of extra weight behind that because it takes a lot for me to watch anything live action anymore uh Breaking Bad that was one of the uh more recent things that I've been able to sit through all the way and, and enjoy it that's live action because I'll admit I've kind of gone weeb a little bit kind of full-on weeb I've been watching a lot of anime now really really recently I have not watched really any anime or any live action anything I've been just YouTube rabbit hole after YouTube rabbit hole not even really rabbit holes to be honest uh, there's so many conspiracy aggregates out that out now and it's so mainstream so really I'm just kind of keeping up with tinfoil hat OBDM and you know all them guys you, you know union of the unwanted guys and you know, I, I do watch, I'd say I watch a good percentage of the uh, the Joe Rogan podcasts that come out. I, I mean, especially if it's like anybody that I'm remotely interested in, I'm like game on. And I'm just happy that I have something like that to look forward to because as much TV stuff's out there now, we're at like peak TV now. I, I just, I can't get into most of it. And then... uh there again, like the, the thing with the anime, I don't know how I really got into the anime other than anime allows them to tell stories that if they were trying to tell them stories in live action would require such an enormous special effects budget that for me, I'm totally okay with stretching the imagination and realizing, oh, it's, it's a cartoon, it's drawn, right? So that, that, but that also adds a whole other layer to the art, which is amazing, which is just the excellent art style. Like I just am a huge fan of the Japanese aesthetics the, the, and, and the, the multiple different ones. It's not one size fits all. It's not just, there is so much variation and nuance just within the Japanese manga and anime 
uh, artist community. It's, it's amazing. And the same with the United States. And the same with the United States, too. I'm just saying that, uh, I mean, it's, it's really crazy. I think over time, throughout the years, it was, uh, you know, uh, U.S. animation influenced Japan and then back and forth and back and forth. Now, you, we all know that there's a lot of uh, American-made anime coming out now that just totally has that, you know, kind of Japanese aesthetic to it. And that's cool. I mean, that that's really cool. That's a, what they've, they've always said something, imitation is the, uh, you know, one of the most sincerest forms of flattery or something, something like that. But, uh, the anime thing, I just, I got sucked into that. And there's some really, really, really good stories that, uh, and some of it's getting so big now, a lot of it ends up uh, becoming live action film. But a lot of times those movies don't do that well. Um, but just because a movie isn't uh, financially successful at the box office or, or uh, you know, or direct, direct on demand, whichever, however they release uh, post-corona, uh, the thing is, is they uh, tend to not, uh, do very well. They don't put in a big enough budget or they take too many uh, artistic liberties uh, so it strays uh, too far off from... Like, perfect example, I loved the Death Note anime, but I thought the Netflix live-action movie was really hollow. Uh, I didn't think it was particularly terrible, and, and it was kind of like uh, an excuse for me to be able to, like... Uh, redo the whole uh, Death Note story without having to watch 40-something episodes of the anime, which I don't know. I, I might I might go back and rewatch that. That That's one thing that is hard for me to do is to go back and rewatch an anime. But if it's... There are a few. There are a hand, there are handfuls of them that not only will I rewatch, but I will probably like kind of rewatch throughout the rest of my life. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, that's one that I... Uh, can always come back to uh, Samurai Champloo, which is by the same, you know, Watanabe, same director. Um, maybe not so much as Cowboy Bebop, but I can definitely still come back to uh, Samurai Champloo. And uh, to a lesser extent, maybe even certain episodes of Space Dandy, which coincidentally, also Watanabe. Um, but, I don't know, Kill a Kill, uh, that's probably one of my top for sure in the top 10 anime of all time least expected to i would i would have never thought that i i ended up enjoying it so much but uh, no it ended up being so good so good only anime that i've actually liked so much that i actually invested a little money into some merch i do i think i may have a ryuko matoi figma and a satsuki kiryuin nindoroid and also, for that matter, I got a Satsuki Figma on pre-order. So hopefully this whole COVID situation does not make that uh, complicated. Because a lot of that merch, a lot of anime merch, is kind of a one-and-done kind of thing. They take pre-orders, uh, they create the product, and they sell out. A lot of times they sell out. A lot of times they sell out pre-orders or they close the pre-orders down or 
What they'll do is if it's a super popular character, they'll a uh, super popular character, they'll have a pre-order and then they might uh, uh have a, a small batch that goes to stores and then, you know, other than that, it uh it's only if they ever do what I call a reprint, which is just a uh, they just, uh, you know, they just bust the molds back out and just make up new figures. But, uh, yeah, Satsuki was almost two, $300, I think, because it was a sellout. And then they brought that back uh, as a pre-order, and you can get it for regular price. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on. I'm getting too far off. I've probably lost half of you at anime. Uh, and the, the ones that are interested in anime are now probably like, what, now merch? Now merch? But I... It was just to just to prove the point. It's like that anime, Kill a Kill. I think it's that good, that well done, uh, and it, it's it's just a really good hodgepodge of so many different themes of anime in general, and then also flipping it on its side and subverting expectations. Really, really good stuff. And I mean, the team behind it, just Trigger, is probably one of my favorite studios. Uh, you know, I like their work on SSSS Gridman. I enjoyed their work on Darling and the Franks. I, uh, yeah, I would consider myself a Trigger fan for sure. Big Trigger fan. So I do on that note, and then I'll be done with the anime and probably this episode. But on that note, I really wish iTunes would get more anime soundtracks available. I would absolutely love to see the full Kill La Kill soundtrack from Sawano on iTunes. But I, it may not happen. And they, I haven't checked to see if it was on Apple Music, but I was under the impression that anything that can be streamed from Apple Music could be downloaded you know, and purchased from iTunes, but maybe not. So, anyways... Uh, I think that's just about it for this episode. I don't think there's really anything uh, anything else I have left to say today. Uh, so anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. And uh, I would, like I said, I wanted to have this episode out yesterday. I wanted to I wanted to have a little bit more of a game plan for this episode, but uh, you know, I feel good about it. I feel good about this one. I feel like it's a good episode. Maybe not. Let me know in the comments. Just kidding, this ain't YouTube. Not yet. But, uh, so, I just had to get out and around some people. And I think it was really, really, really good for me. I should have probably got my hair cut while I had the opportunity. But I was ready to get home, actually, and get into whipping out this episode. So... Now I'm done with that. I guess I'm gonna chill for the rest of the day. I might even hop into a few matches of Fortnite. I know I said I was done. I was done. But just in case Apple and Epic don't clear up their crap, there's only a couple more weeks left to, to play on Apple devices. At least as far as, you know, there's the speculation that they're gonna keep that update alive for you know, I guess, however long it takes. But I think what's going to happen, personally, is worst thing that happens is there will be a, f a fracture at some point where, yes, all the devices except for Google 
and well, actually, Google will be able to sideload and get around it. So I guess it's just Apple will be left in the dust for a while, and everybody on an Apple device will be like stuck at you know the current you know state of the map right now, and then everybody else will. Uh, everybody, I, I just I don't see this being cleared up in time for for the start of the new season, but also if. Apple or Epic, one of them caves, I could see this big PR stunt thing where they they caved, you know, whoever it may be. There was a, somebody caved, somebody was a victor, and now, just, just in the nick of time, just at the very last moment, Apple and Epic fix their problems, and yes, you will be able to experience Chapter 2, Season 4, on your iPad Pro, on your iPhone, just like the rest of the platforms. I could see them pulling something like that. If they fix this in time, or, or at least put a Band-Aid on it enough to where it's no longer affecting the players and you can start going back to downloading uh, Fortnite on iOS devices... And uh, and updating the device for that matter. Just however they got to do it to where iOS players will be able to start uh, season four along with the rest of the players. If, if there's any way that that can happen, I do feel like both companies will will try to make that happen. Um, I think it would uh, make it look very good on both sides. No matter who caves or, or however they do it, they both, Epic and Apple, both have the opportunity to both kind of look like the good guys uh, if they can just somehow, we put our differences aside and put it back in the app store because the player, you know, however they got to spin it to where everybody starts at the same time and there's no fracture of the player base. I would say they're going to do it because these corporate, these, these corporations in America... I mean, they just want to just suck you in. And by the way, I love Spotify, Anchor, and I, I mean, I love Apple too. I love Epic. I mean, seriously, I do have a horse in this race. I have an iPad Pro with Fortnite on it. Supposedly, also, I've heard that there's idiots out there that are buying these for really, really high dollar right now, and I think that's the stupidest thing ever. Because first of all, I, Oh, okay. Now I guess if you were planning on getting an iPad, yeah, that's a thing. If you don't already have Fortnite on your iPad or iPhone, you're screwed. If you, uh, yeah, you you would uh, have to have it already. So I, I guess I could see why people are buying it, but I'm telling you, this shit's gonna be all over within a couple weeks. And if not, oh well. There's other games out there. That Fall Guys looks fun. That uh, Hyperscapes, that's free to play. Um, I would imagine Fall Guys isn't that expensive. I didn't look that much into it, but it looks like kind of like a fun party game that has some some of the spirit from Mario Party, where it can be competitive, but it doesn't got to be so. Uh, and, and and I could be eating my own words here, but Fall Guys doesn't look like the type of game where you might feel like you got cheated, unless you're you know playing on PC. I've heard they have a, they have a hacker a hacking problem, but assuming everybody's playing fair. It doesn't look like the type of game where you're going to be like, oh man, this is so unoptimized. Run like shit. Like half of Fortnite's player base. But on that note, this is Gillian Seed coming to you live from the Chromatic Ribbon. Uh, still working on getting that uh, Gmail account. Haha. And also, I'm uh, still working on bringing in my first guest. I, I was uh, 
it, it's going to happen soon. It's going to it's going to happen soon, but I don't I don't want to say whether it's going to be one episode or two episodes or three episodes, but it's not going to be very much longer before I bring in another voice along with me, at, at least one, because I mean, even though I can go on and on and on, sometimes I just I get that little fizzle and I can or that that little spark and I can keep it going. Like right now, 42 minutes flat. You know, it's, you know, sometimes, yeah. Other times, man, I'm piecing together uh, one of these episodes that could be like an hour long and I'm piecing it together by like the five and 10 minute increment. You know, it's almost like, it's like filming a movie because it's like, you know, I get a paragraph and I'm like, oh, that's perfect, upload it. Okay, and then it's like, I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette, maybe hit a couple baddies, have a drink of water, and we'll come in, we'll, we'll get another five minutes in. No, I mean that whatever it takes for me to get this content out, I'm going to do, but I have a smile on my face when I'm wrapping up an episode and I look at it like I am now and I've got almost an hour down. So with the intro, I'm looking at, you know, I'm probably right at an hour. So that's great. I just hope that you guys continue to stick this out and, uh, you know, watch this evolve because I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to keep making this anyway. And I'm hoping to just kind of hone my craft and uh, get better about it, right? So I just, I like to be a bullshitter, right? So I like to just sit around and fucking talk. And, you know, that that's, uh, I've always been good at talking. I might not have anything of substance to say, but I can keep that mouth running. So I don't know, maybe I can get a job at the CIA, be good at like distracting people from the truth, you know? CIA, hit me up, I need a job. Just kidding, just kidding. Not, no, not really. Not really. Uh, all right. Where are you, cursor? I got to turn this, turn this guy down. All right. That's uh, Gillian Seed, eight, or uh, Gillian underscore Seed 83 on Twitter. That's the Twitter handle. <laughs> the Twitter handle. That's the Twitter handle. G-I-L-L-I-A-N underscore S-E-E-D 83. And, uh, yeah, I bid you adieu. Gil out.